0: worship teams, huh? Well, some time ago, I was kind of given an exercise plan for people who are 50 and older. So just got to keep that in mind. This exercise plan is for people who are 50 and older. And what you do is you start out with a five-pound bag of potatoes, actually two of them. And you know, you extend your arms as far as you can. You hold the two, five-pound bag of tomatoes, as long or, uh, potatoes as long as you can for at least a minute. And then when you can do it a minute, then you graduate to 10-pound bags of potatoes and hold it for a minute. Then you graduate to 25-pound bags of potatoes, all right, for a minute. And then you go up to 50-pound bags of potatoes For a minute, this is this is where I'm at right now. The the 50 pound bags. What are you laughing at? I haven't even told the joke yet. So you're holding, and, and when you are confident, when you are confident that you can hold out these 50 pound bags of potatoes for a minute, then you actually add a potato into each bag. (laughs) that's where I am right now alright now that we're done with the silliness we can get on to the real stuff the real stuff is it is Palm Sunday Palm Sunday for those of you who aren't familiar with that 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey the crowds were waiting for him The crowds cheered him. Five days later, he was hanging on a cross. This morning, I have entitled the message, The Choice, The Choice. Father, I thank you for everyone here. And I believe there certainly will not be any more important message than this one on this Palm Sunday morning. And I ask for your blessing and peace to rest upon every single person. And I pray if someone walked in here really not knowing the living God, they're going to walk out of here knowing the living God in the person of Jesus Christ. So I'm just so thankful for what you're going to do here in the next several minutes. I ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit. Just have your way now. I really pray that there'll be tremendous freedom in the house, tremendous joy and tremendous hope by the end. And so I just thank you for what you're going to do now, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Got to get your attention, doesn't it? You know, the reality is none of us knows when our life's going to come to an end. None of us knows that moment. None of us knows that hour. But when it's all said and done... Do you know what your life will have been about? It will have been about choices. The choices that you make each and every day. Let me ask you this question. What will your choices say about you and about your life? The reality is, you know, we always make choices. Every day we make choices. We have little choices, I call them. You know, what kind of toothpaste will you use? What will you wear? Then you kind of have the medium-sized choices. That might be the car that you're considering buying or the neighborhood you're considering living in and the house you're considering buying. And then you have the maybe the large choices, like what profession you will go into for the rest of your life. Whom will you marry? But I want you to know that all of those choices pale in comparison to what I call the choice, the big choice. And let me explain what I mean. The date was March 30th, 33 A.D. On that day, Jesus Christ came riding into Jerusalem. Skip, can you put that picture up? Now, I don't know if you can imagine it. I've always imagined it in my mind's eye. I can see that day some 2,000 years ago. And the normal population of Jerusalem was generally around 90 to 100,000. But on feast days, it would rise up to about a million people. A million people just stuffed into that city. And on March 30th, 33 AD, probably a half million Jews were lining the street on either side of the main street leading into Jerusalem. There was electricity in the air. And suddenly, Jesus came riding over the bluff on a donkey to enter the city of Jerusalem. And the people began picking up palm branches. They began taking them off the trees. They began waving them. And most of us, when we see a palm branch, we think that's a symbol or a sign of peace. But back then, it was a nationalistic symbol. It showed your allegiance to the nation of Israel. It would be like us, waving an American flag. And then as Jesus was riding by on that donkey, people began to cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us, save us, or deliver us. And then a seditious chant began to be yelled out. Some actually began to say, Hail the new king! Hail the new king! That was seditious. You see, they actually wanted to take Jesus and they wanted to ensconce him, crown him as their king. Now, that's got to be pretty heady stuff, don't you think? Wouldn't that be pretty heady for you if people were crying out for you to be their king? And you know what? Jesus could have pandered to the crowd. Jesus could have been their champion and sought to be their champion. But you see, Jesus had to make a choice. In fact, I call it again, the choice. And you're wondering what the choice is. The choice is this. The choice is always truth or lies. Or let me put it another way for you. The choice is, am I going to please the Father? Which, by the way, is difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. And in fact, oftentimes when you please the Father from a worldly perspective, it's not very exciting. Or are you going to choose, or am I going to choose to please the flesh? You know what that means? That means to do the thing that makes us popular, that makes us light. That means to do the thing that makes us feel good. You ever done that? You did something that made you feel good. That means I'm going to pursue a path that gives me personal glory. That's always the choice. The Father, the flesh. Truth, lies. Every single day, quite honestly, we have to make the choice. Jesus made, by the way, his choice. And the When he made that choice, by the way, I want you to understand it determined the rest of his choices. So once you determine what the choice is for you, then it's going to determine your behavior, what you are going to do after that. Let me explain what I mean. For example, the very next thing that Jesus did after he came riding in on a donkey says the donkey stopped and Jesus wept. All these people are cheering and he wept. And then he pronounced judgment. Then he pronounced judgment on the city. In fact, Skip, can you put it up? Luke 19. But as they came closer to Jerusalem and Jesus saw the city ahead, he began to weep. He was saying to the cross, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. But now it is too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in from every side. They will crush you into the ground. And your children with you, your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept the opportunity of your salvation. Now, you know, before Palm Sunday... If you had taken a poll of all of the Jews about Jesus and his approval rating, you know what it would have been? It would have been through the roof. It would have been about 90%. But after he says this, after he makes this pronouncement of judgment, and you take a poll, what do you think his numbers would have been? In the dumper, 40 50%. I want you to see when you make the choice... When you choose the Father over the flesh, when you true, truth truth over lies, you're not going to be popular. But Jesus isn't finished. After Jesus makes this pronouncement, you know what he does next? Skip put up the picture. Jesus goes to the temple. That was one of the seven wonders of the world at that time. And you know who resided there? The kingmakers, the Sanhedrin, the seventy. They could make or break you. And all Jesus had to do was play nicey-nice. All he had to do was butter these guys backside. All he had to do was play ball and they would make him king. But what did Jesus do? Skip, can you put up that picture? That's what Jesus did. He went in and he cleaned the temple and then he said this. Skip, can you put it up? He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Obviously, Jesus did not read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Make no mistake about it. Jesus chose the Father's plan. Jesus chose the Father's plan. And I want you to understand something. The Father's plan is always difficult. And you'll say, Well, why is the Father's plan always difficult? And the answer lies in Luke sixteen, fifteen. Here's what it says Jesus said these words. Listen to what he said now in Luke sixteen, fifteen. What this world honors and values is detestable in the sight of God. Now, I I want us not to just go over that quickly. Listen, really internalize it. This is Jesus speaking, so these are red letters, all right? What this world honors and values is detestable in the sight of God. Now, you know, I had to think about that. What does the world value? Don't we value money? Don't we value someone who's successful? Don't we value someone who has a lot of power? And it's famous. These are the things that we value. Now, I'm gonna ask you this question Do you think God, the heavenly God, really values those things? Do you really think He cares one iota about those things? The answer is no, He does not. He does not value those things. I want you to think about your own life now. I want you to think about what, where America goes. What do we value as a culture, as a country? Isn't it money? Isn't it power? Isn't it success? Isn't it titles and degrees? I just want you to understand when you stand before the God of God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, he's just not impressed. He flat out is not impressed. And because this is true, and because this is true, what it means is if I'm going to follow truth, if I'm going to follow what the Father wants, I'm going to be going against the flow of traffic. In other words, the vast majority of the world's coming this way, and I'm going this way. It's like a salmon. Swimming upstream. It's like a salmon, you will be like a salmon literally swimming upstream. And I want you to know that is not going to be easy. That is not going to be fun, but I want you to understand something. It will be liberating, it will be freeing, and you will. Like yourself. You will respect yourself, and in the end, you will find glory. You will find glory. Now, here's where I really want. Here's the main part of the message. You see Jesus and the choice he makes. Now, I want us to look at a man by the name of Pontius Pilate. I want us to contrast him. These are two of the key figures in the last week of Jesus' life. Skip, can you put up that picture of Pontius Pilate? Pilate is an interesting character. And I want us to see the choice that Pontius Pilate made. Now, Pilate, as most of you know, was the governor of Judea during the time of Jesus Christ. History records, in fact, that Pontius Pilate was a cruel figure. He was a cruel figure. He was a cold, ruthless dictator. But on that Friday, we call Good Friday, Pontius Pilate acted very uncharacteristically. In fact, we are told in the scriptures that Pilate vacillates. He equivocates on that Good Friday. And in fact, many people who read the gospel accounts because they see Pilate vacillating and equivocating assume that it can't be true because history knows Pontius Pilate. But I want you to know there was a good reason, and I want you to really listen to this very carefully, there's a good reason why Pilate equivocated, why Pilate vacillated. We know at one point, on that Good Friday, Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate. Skip, can you put up that picture? That's an iconic scene. You see Jesus, and there he is, he's standing before the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. And at one point, Jesus says this to Pilate. Skip, will you put up that scripture? Listen to what Jesus says to him. Jesus says this in John chapter 18. Pilate said to Jesus first, so you are a king. And Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Do you realize, and I said this several weeks ago, do you understand why God is the most powerful being in the universe? The reason why God is the most powerful being in the universe is because he is truth. He not only knows truth, he walks in truth. That is what makes you powerful. And if you want to live in victory, if you want to, your life can start changing today if you make this decision. If you want to live in victory, if you want to ride above your circumstances, then you not only got to make a commitment to know the truth, but you've got to make a commitment to begin to live out the truth. Now, what I find interesting about that scene is there is Jesus facing Pilate. And Pilate then asked, do you remember what Pilate said? I mean, he, 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 I mean the statement lives in infamy. He says, what is truth? Now, that was cowardly of Pilate. It was cowardly because Pontius Pilate did, in fact, know the truth. In fact, I'm going to make a statement that may upset some of you. The truth is we all know the truth. No, no, no. The truth is every single one of us in this room knows the truth. You say, well, how can you say that? I can say that because of Romans chapter 1. In verse 16, Skip, will you put that up? Or 18. But God shows us, this is Romans chapter 1, but God shows us his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. You know what the reality is? The problem that you and I have is not that we don't know the truth. The problem is, is that we suppress the truth or we'll deny the truth or we'll try to excuse the truth. Or we'll try to, you know, rationalize the truth away. But let me tell you something. If that's what you do, if that's what I do, I'm going to tell you it's going to end very badly for you. Ultimately, it will end that you lose and it ends in the destruction of your soul. I want you to understand this morning: Pontius Pilate is the poster child for this truth. I told you, Pilate knew the truth. He absolutely knew the truth. In fact, Skip, can you put up this scripture in, in Matthew chapter 27? We're told this about Pilate. So there is Pilate. He's got Jesus in front of him. He gets a message, all right? He's sitting on the beam of seat, the judgment seat. And it says this, his wife. Sends him a message. Isn't that great? Your wife sends you a message. So here he is. He's in this tense situation. His wife sends him a message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. She had a dream about Jesus. And you know, in the ancient world, they took dreams very seriously. In fact, in the ancient world, they believed that the God spoke to the kings and rulers through dreams. And as strange as this might sound to you, God loved Pontius Pilate. Now I want you to, as strange as that sounds, God loved Pontius Pilate. And God loves every single person. Not only in this room, he even loves ISIS. How do you like that? No, no, no. God loved Pontius Pilate. And I believe he was giving Pilate an incredible opportunity not to carry out the greatest miscarriage of justice known to humanity. Skip put it up, and that would be putting the God-man on the cross. He was giving Pilate a chance not to do it. Do you know what the sad reality is about this drama, this Greek tragedy? The sad thing is Pilate really did Know the truth. You say, how do you know that with certainty? Skip, put up the next picture. Do you remember that hand-washing scene? Do you remember that hand-washing scene? And Pilate cries out in Matthew chapter 27, I am innocent. I am innocent, he cried out to the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. Let me ask you a question. Can you just wash your hands of the truth? No, can you? Can you just wash your hands of the truth? The answer is no. You know, there is very good evidence that Pontius Pilate, three years after sentencing Jesus Christ, the God-man, to death, he committed suicide. He committed suicide. There is a legend There is a legend that there is a pool of water in the Swiss Alps. Now this pool of water is hidden by mist in the early morning and it's ringed by mountaintops. It is virtually inaccessible but by a footpath. But those people who have happened to be able to find that footpath, they report seeing a figure, a man, maybe about 6'2 with gray hair, he's wearing a toga of imperial Rome. And they say that this man, he's by that pool of water and he will kneel down by that water and he won't look up. And then it says that he dips his hand in that liquid frozen that comes up from springs, underground springs, And it says that he dips his hand in that liquid frozen water. And he takes it and he cups it and he puts it on one hand. And then he washes his hands over and over and over. And he cries out, I am innocent. I am innocent of the blood of that just man. And the legend says that he will do that for all of eternity. I want you to know this morning you can't run away from the truth. You cannot run away from the truth. The truth will hunt you down like a hound dog hunts down a fugitive. The truth will find you out. It will take you over and it will lay you bare. You cannot, I cannot get away from the truth. Both Pilate and Jesus teach us a very, very powerful truth. Life is about the choice. Truth lies. It's always that way. You know, the famous psychiatrist, M. Scott Peck, Skip, can you put up his picture? He's famous for writing a bestseller, The Road Less Traveled. And in The Road Less Traveled, he writes, A very, very powerful section of words. Listen to what M. Scott Peck says, a psychiatrist. Fearing the pain involved almost all of us to a greater or lesser degree attempt to avoid problems. Doing truth is almost life's toughest problem. So we often avoid it. We often settle for half-truths or no truth at all because they are easier to come by than the truth. End of quote. Pontius Pilate, he chose badly. Pontius Pilate chose very badly. Pontius Pilate chose expedience. And I want you to know, he couldn't wash away what he knew. He couldn't wash away the truth. He couldn't wash away his responsibility to act on what he knew was true. And in the end, I believe it absolutely crushed him. Do you know that there are two people you cannot run away from? The first one is God. He's truth incarnate. That's why you can't run away from God. We call him the Hound of Heaven. And as long as you live, the Hound of Heaven will pursue you until you finally surrender to him. Maybe it's it's your mourning. Maybe it's, it's really your morning if you haven't done that because truth will pursue you and it will pursue you and it will pursue you. You know the other person you can't get away from? Yourself. Every morning you have to look at that person in the mirror. Do you like what you see? You know what the sad thing is? A lot of people don't like themselves. They don't like what they see in the mirror. You can change that. I did. I did. For a long time, I didn't like myself. I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like who I was. And fortunately, my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, introduced me to truth, Jesus. And my life began to change. And now I can look at myself. I can actually look at myself and say, hey, I like myself. Thank you. I paid him to, to say that, actually. Thank you, Ethan. Good man. But you know what? I can tell you, it, it's horrible to have to get up in the morning and look at that person in the mirror and not like them. You don't have to be that person it can change when you make the decision to surrender to truth and to begin to follow him. So that's my challenge. My challenge this morning is this, because I have a video clip I want you to see. It's very important. Many of us might find ourselves in the valley of decision this morning. The valley of decision is, let's see, do I follow Jesus' truth or do I follow Pilate, which is expedience, lies? One choice, I'm going to admit to you, is going to be very tough. One choice will demand great courage and great faith. But I want you to know at the end, you will experience great victory and great glory. The other choice is easy. It goes with the crowd. It pleases the flesh. And it requires nothing. Nothing but cowardice. And in the end, it ends in shame and guilt and judgment. What are you going to choose? What are you going to choose?
1: Okay, we've got a quick one minute here. Um, it's been out of the box day this Palm Sunday. Um, God has been with us, the Holy Spirit's been here. And, I, and, and my heart just confirmed that. Many here have heard his voice this morning, but just don't walk out here because you heard his voice. You know, those that have heard that still small voice, there's two kinds of people sitting here today. There's a lot of us that know him and struggle and aren't really where we want to be, and there's some that don't know him, but your hearts have been warmed today, and you've heard the truth, and Frank has spoken the truth. And, And I just feel that those that have heard that still small voice need to make a move. And I was going to be stand up, but no, this is the move here. It's not about coming up here and here and, and, and praying with others. You need to meet with your God. And I'm just going to say, those that have heard the still, small voice, take a minute and fall to your knees and talk to him. That's what I'm saying. So if you're hearing that Holy Spirit tug on your hearts and you're able to humble yourself enough to kneel before him, that's the word that's on my heart.
0: Thank you. We're up here. There'll be people praying. And Bob's right. If, if you sense the Holy Spirit moving on your heart, don't walk out of here. Don't walk out of here because he won't always be knocking on your heart. And we're here to pray with you.